Hi, everybody, and welcome to another exciting edition of Words, Images, and Worlds. So glad to be talking on this episode with author Tori Maldonado. And, and Tori, uh, you've already come into the the podcast with compliments, telling me I have a smooth voice and, and all of this, all of these wonderful words. So, uh, already my favorite guest so far. <laughs> I love it. Whenever someone gives me a, um, a great introduction, I say the same thing that you say. I'm like, can I just bring you everywhere with these compliments? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Love it. I first connected with your work going way, way back to a time when we were all online. Uh, there was an NCT NCTE talk that you did, and Candace Elo was also part of that talk. Uh, it was a couple of different authors and artists from different age groups, and I was teaching uh, a literacy course for people that wanted to teach elementary, middle, or high school, um, so the range, and that was one of our class meetings. I said, check out this, this talk that NCTE is doing. We'll get together, and then we'll debrief about it, and I uh, was immediately struck with your work checked out tight which is over your shoulder there uh which continues to be one of my favorites you also have what lane which i have a few copies of that circulate among the classrooms that i'm in uh and you have hands so uh first of all thanks thanks for your work before we get into any questions well we're a mutual admiration and appreciation group because i appreciate what you do with the podcast and also as an educator so thanks for telling me that you know my books are in the realm of your favorites. And Absolutely. My educated work. Absolutely. I, I'd say this, I've, I'm working on a, a book of my own right now, which will hopefully become something, you know, uh, other than uh, wallpaper. And one of the things that I say is when I step into a classroom, I have all of these books that I could take with me. And I like to think of it as like an armada of voices because there's only so much that I can say and so much that I can talk about. And so I appreciate uh, the work of authors and artists like yourself uh, and many others to come alongside teachers and uh, make connections in classrooms. Yeah. We're, sometimes we as educators um, need the armada of voices because a lot of times young people or, or just students in general will ask, oh yeah, who says? And you say, oh, well, <laughs> this person says, that person says, that person says, and then we tack our voice in there and say, and we are echoing, amplifying what was said. And they're like, okay, Yep. Yep. That's right. So, oh, okay. All right. I'll, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Yeah. I like that you said that, Um, you know, you, you hope that what you're working on that will become a book will eventually become more than wallpaper because mm -hmm. hip hop is nearing its 50th birthday. And I'm just wow. a few blocks away from Grand Army Plaza Library where Jay-Z, the rapper, storyteller, businessman's lyrics are wallpapered on ah. the library. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, aspiring to wallpaper is a good thing. Now, it's not a bad thing. I have you ever been to a? There's a restaurant called Pose Tavern. I think they have a couple of locations. Have you been to that one? Um, no, but I feel like I've been to Pose ta Tavern vicariously because I go into so many places, bagels, you know, oh, yeah. uh, stores, uh, restaurants, and I see different lyrics from different musicians and great storytellers. Uh, like this one bagel store that I go to has um, Biggie's. Spread love is the Brooklyn way. Love it, love yeah. it. Well, well, Post Tavern has pages of Edgar Allan Poe's books as part of the wallpaper, but they're in the men's room. 
So I'm not sure, like, they need to bring those out, at least the one that I was at, that's what they did. Like, they need to bring those out and put them in the dining area, uh, although, you know, it's nice to have something good to read when you're in the bathroom, too, I guess. But, right, yeah. right, I love it. You're like, <laughs> let's spread the inspiration. That's right, spread it widely uh, around the restaurant. Um, so, kind of takes us to to a question of, you know, this audience that, that you and I work with of young readers. What What's inspired your creation for this particular age group but then i'll also say i kind of push against like saying oh this book is only for this age group because it's not as though people write and they're like this is for 11 year old kids on their almost 12th birthday you know it's not that kind of thing in february that that sort of thing um so just curious about what's led you in this direction yeah um i just want to circle back to a thing that you said earlier where you were saying that you came to NCTE. And one of the things that drove you to the NCTE session that I was in was that it appealed to elementary students Mm -hmm. and uh, middle school uh, students and also high school students. And that's the range uh, of appeal of my books. Um, My books, as a middle school teacher, I write middle school themed um, books. And I've been really happy that librarians, educators for the fourth grade and fifth grade have come to me and say, oh, our kids can't get enough of your mm-hmm. books. And then it's been a really pleasant surprise that um, the American Library Association gave um, two of my books, uh, ALA Quick Pick um, Awards for high school, the YA market. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my books are for middle school students and they're widely popular with upper elementary and also on high school students but that's why i have to say that as a teacher i've been teaching for over 25 years Mm -hmm. um, i i have to say this you know there's nothing wrong with those books that have curses in it and that have sex in it you know there's a book for everyone but in my books you won't find curses and you won't find sex because as a teacher i can't have parents come in and families come in and say you know i gotta clean my mouth out with orbit gum because i have a potty mouth so, right, right. <laughs> you know, I guess I, I, that helps my book appeal to a, a really wide range. So, yeah, so I've been teaching for tw- over 25 years and a goal of my teaching is also a goal of my storytelling. Um, at the start of every year, I ask the question, what is my goal as mm-hmm. a teacher? Mm-hmm. And, you know, kids have all these different answers. And then eventually I share the answer and I say, my goal is to help you reach your goal. And that's my goal as a storyteller. My, my goal is to inspire younger generations to share their heart through their art. So it could be through storytelling and the written word the way I do it. It could be through visual. It could be through any way. But as long as they get what's in their heart out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah. And it, it's almost like every every school year uh, are you getting ready to jump back into the school year is that are you also in that frame well i have teacher friends on social media who are posting pictures saying next week two uh-huh. weeks we're back and it it just makes my stomach get the same <laughs> butterflies that a, a lot of the young people get when they hear that school is about to resume They're like, oh yeah what? is summer over yet so fortunately um, and my summer isn't over yet. I have uh, more time to to write and to relax and to recharge before nice. um, September. 
Nice. Same here. It's not quite September, but a little bit later in August and the teacher dreams just never go away. Uh, they don't, but, but I love that idea of every school year kind of being a story and returning to that question of what's my goal? Why am I doing mm -hmm. this? And building that from the beginning with students. I love mm -hmm. that. Yeah. yeah. I started writing um, my first book, Secret Saturdays for one specific child. Uh, mm. Back before Secret Saturdays was a novel, Secret Saturdays uh, percolated in my mind to become an article for a magazine. And um, there was a student of mine who he he hated reading. He would, yeah, I would ask him and say, why don't you read this book by this person? He says, nah, I'm allergic to books. Mm. And, <laughs> and he came to my classroom one day after school and it was really odd because he never came after school. And it was also odd he, because it seemed he strategically chose a time where he knew no one would be in the classroom and mm -hmm. he comes in and he says can I talk to you for a second and I said sure come in and he comes in and then he walks to the the part of the room where he can't be seen from either door because we have two doors and he can't be seen through the windows and he starts crying and when he mm. started to cry it hit me so hard that um I said okay this article that I'm trying to write it has to become a book that he could read that it, yeah. that would affect him. And because of the timeline of publishing, when Secret Saturdays published, he wasn't able to read it, but there was other young people who were like him, who were able to read it. And I'll never forget this one boy. He comes to my classroom and he sees Secret Saturdays and, and he and he's drawn by the cover. And he asks, Who write who what is this? And I said, Oh, that's a book I wrote. And he said, stop lying. And I said, why, why do you think I'm lying? And he thought I was lying because, you know, the community that the school's nestled in, but also the community he's from and from, I'm from, there are not many people who grow up to become published authors. So I showed him my, my picture. I was like, look at my bobblehead. You see, it's me. <laughs> and, he, and he was like, for real? And just because I wrote the book, it was enough of a hook for him to take the book. And he nice. took the book home, and the next day he brings it back, and he says, um, it was a good book. And I said, wait, <laughs> you, you don't like to read. So you're telling me that you took this book, and then one day you read the book. He said, yeah, not only did I read the book, and he reaches in his book bag and pulls out a notebook. And he has three pages of his handwriting. And oh, he asks wow. me, can you help me write my life story? So um, that's... That's one of the reasons why I stay in the writing game. I just love mm. the reactions that it's creating in young people. That's amazing. That is amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That that alone, I mean, those days that we all have where you're like, now what am I doing? Um, mm -hmm. that that story alone is uh that's that's a mileage story for sure. Oh, thanks. When you, when you always ask that question about like those days that us educators ask, now what are we doing? You mm -hmm. know, us as educators, we're often in the educational uh, system and we ask, what, what is the system doing? Mm -hmm. And true, true. Um, I, I'm in a unique position because as an author, I get to see every day what administration is trying to do. But as, a, as um, an author, I'm also allowed to go to other schools across the nation and I see what other school and admin 
are trying to do. And one of the things that I noticed is that a lot of schools are are big on posting their values, you know, their banners in there. Like, um, for example, you know, in our school, we value respect, you know, honesty, integrity, and and what I noticed is that's a good step in the right direction. However, mm-hmm. a lot of those schools don't provide examples of mm-hmm. young people embodying and demonstrating the values. Like some schools, they have the, the core values up. Mm-hmm. Great. Other schools take it another step. They have the core values up and they have the definition up. The next the next level should be, okay, do young people see examples of them in their situations yeah. embodying and personifying those values? So um, that's one of the reasons why I love when the Hamilton musical came out because the Hamilton musical connected with so many and still connects with so many because of the universal values in it. Mm-hmm. And I often compare my books to those, to songs inside the Hamilton musical. For example, Secret Saturdays is about two boys. They keep their feelings on the inside but they write their feelings mm-hmm. and writing their feelings helps get their feelings out, but also helps them find a way out. So secret Saturdays would be the Hamilton song wrote my way out and then tight the boy he's holding back and he knows he wants to take his shot and it just takes him the whole book until he takes his shot. So tight is my shot. And then what lane, um, a lot of schools across the country say that they were really happy that what lane came out during the time of the pandemic, like as the pandemic started, because it yeah. felt like, the world was turned upside down. So it was helping young people turn the world right side up. So what lane is the world turned upside down? And then hands is history has its eyes on you or the 10 dual commandments. And so in all of those songs, you see values like persistence, responsibility, open-mindedness, courage, kindness, collaboration. And all those are some of the values that are in my books. And there are other values too. So I appreciate that educators see that in the book and they're like okay we're going to use this book as a one book one school read because mm-hmm. it's doing what we're trying to do so I'm, I'm really appreciative that the book has been a tool in that way yeah i love what you said there about examples like students embodying values people embodying values uh which connects to what you were saying about having those tools having those opportunities to tell your story uh, and there's so much about that that's empowering. And uh, you, you write about young people as powerful people, people that can make change and make decisions and shape their lives. Um, so one of the official questions on the list was you could change it in any way you like. Um, what are the powers that you feel like young people have? What are their superpowers? Oh, wow. Um, I feel like young people have so many superpowers. The Washington Post did this article on my visit to D.C. schools. And it starts with what I do when I usually visit young people. I usually ask the audience, what's a superpower that you wish you have? And it's fun because not only do the young people in the audience raise their hands to share, adults raise their hands to everyone, almost everyone under the sun wishes that they had um, a superpower. And um, a lot of the superpowers that young people have are shown in the superheroes and in, and in the characters in my books. For example, in Tight, you know, there's this scene that really demonstrates something that I've come to know. I've, I've often said, 
tell me who, who your favorite superheroes are mm-hmm. and I'll tell you who you are because who, who you want to be, it reveals um, something about you. So there's this scene inside tight where uh, if I could read something real quick. Please do. Um, the main character, Brian, say, says, Mike holds a bunch of comics in both hands, the way magicians hold up cards when they ask somebody to pick. Out of these superheroes, whose power you want? I point to his Batman comic, then to his Black Panther comic, them two. It says on Batman's cover, he's the world's smartest detective. Or I'd be Black Panther because... He's just as smart as Batman. They figure out stuff 10 steps ahead. Plus, if they have to fight, they can. And so I just want to pause for a second because one of the superpowers that young people have is their ability to think ahead. And that's mm-hmm. something that I like to build in um, young people. But then we go on, you know, in what lane, what lane opens up in the first page. I'm letting young people know, I know, I know you have this superpower. It opens with, this movie is lit. Dan aims his TV remote to start Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. What? So I think that young people also have the superpower of intuition. Mm-hmm. They have that inner sense, that spidey sense. And one of the things that I often encourage young people to do is, yes, gather information from outside of you. Listen to what people are saying. But does it resonate with what you on the inside feel mm-hmm. and if it resonates with what you on the inside feel and it's not hurting you and it's not hurting anybody else then it's probably a good choice yeah so yeah. those are two superpowers um i have to mention hands hands is my most recent book yes yeah uh-huh. there's a scene in hands where the boy he, um his name is trev trev is sitting inside his um room and his sister comes in. And if I could read this scene right here. Please do. Um, so my sister, she flips through drawings. She's naming heroes that she knows. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Spider-Man, X-Men, Teen Titans. Then she holds up one. Whoa, who's this? This is so good, Trev. I go stand next to her to see, because it's been a while since I've seen what she's eyeing. It's a drawing of somebody I wish I was strong as, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. It's <laughs> him in the Black Adam movie. I tell her he has Shazam powers. She's tracing her fingers over his face. And I, I thought she'd focus on his muscles because I really detailed his arms and his chest. But she's super zoned in on his face. And then she says, you're so good at showing emotions. And I know that's another superpower that young people have is the power of their emotions. Um, Sometimes we learn from being burned. And so sometimes the anger that young people feel, we should teach them to channel that into um, creative outlets. So those are just a few superpowers that show up in my book that young people have that readers read and they go, hey, wait a minute. Tori Malinau's talking about me. I have a superpower. <laughs> and then they get in touch with that and then they develop that. And it just means that we're going to have more superheroic adults out in the world in the future. 
Love it. Love it. I, I love how you take stories that kids know and characters that kids know uh, and process it. And uh, I mean, part of your power, I think part of the superpower that you have in your writing is that you're connected to the questions kids have and that, that daily experience. And I think that just, it speaks so well to the stories that you tell. And I also love uh, kids are, kids are figuring things out. That's one of the things that I love about kids. They, they haven't quite gotten to that place where they feel like they have to pretend they figured everything out. Um, which I, I don't know about you. I, I'm 40 in my early forties and uh, I still haven't figured everything out. Yeah. You know, um, when I was growing up, I grew up in a neighborhood where there was a lot of toughness. And when you grow up in a neighborhood that, where there's a lot of toughness, we often wear um, these fronts, these facades. And these facades are as concrete hard as the concrete surroundings around us. And we project, you know, I got this all figured out. I, I, I know what's going on. And so you can see young people where we hear elders will say about young people, oh, he has an old spirit, or she has an old spirit, or they have an old spirit. And usually that means they're saying that that kid is acting very grown, or mm -hmm. very mature, or very stony. And the truth is, is that 20, over 25 years of teaching has reminded me that young people don't have it figured out. And it also reminds me that there are many adults like us, and even older, who don't have it figured out, which is one of the reasons why um, none of my characters have it figured out. Yeah. And and it, I know young people find it refreshing because as they go on that journey with my characters of trying to figure it out, they see the similar situations in their real lives where they're mm -hmm. trying to figure out stuff and they get tools to help them navigate in the real world. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love that. And I, and I love literacy and books as a tool. Um, and I'll also mention you shared with me a, an image of an award that you recently received. Um, yeah. So if I wanted to give you the time to share about that. And I also don't want to keep you. I promised you a, a short talk. So uh, I want to make sure that we talk about that as well as Anything in the world of, of upcoming things, events, web spaces, I always like to to provide space for those things and anything that we've missed, of course. Oh, cool, cool. You know, it's <laughs> funny that you say you felt like you held on to me. I've been enjoying this time so much. I feel like I've been holding on to you. Not at all. Not <laughs> at all. It's it's good. It's good. Good conversation. Yeah. Um, thanks for the shout out to the uh, award that I recently received for Wet Lane. Um, before I talk about that award, I want to talk about um, a young person. He's a teenager. He is. He has his own podcast too, like yourself. Um, nice, you've nice. heard about him. His name is E-Train. Yes, uh-huh, uh-huh. I have. And, I've heard his stuff, yeah. I'll never forget, E-Train got in touch with me. He read Hands, and he got in touch with me and said, I read Hands. I feel like Hands is my life. Can I do an interview with you? And that interview turned into us building a bond with one another where he um in the interview said i love that ma the mother in the book who is uh, my mom of real life mm -hmm. um, she reminds trev be a rainbow in someone else's cloud the quote mm -hmm. by my angelo and she constantly and he and like we said you know kids don't have it figured out so he doesn't have that quote figured out and over time, he begins to realize, ah, mom means 
I should be doing this to be a rainbow in someone else's cloud. And that left such a mark on E-Train that he asked me after we did the interview, can I have your address? I want to send you something. And this is what he sent me. He sent me a bookmark that he made. I love it. And on the bookmark, you know, listeners can't see it, but it says, be a rainbow in someone else's cloud, Maya Angelou. And then it has a drawing of a rainbow. And, you know, it says, books are more than just pages. Books are hope. Mm, So that's one of the ways that um, I'm having positive interactions with young people. And he's about to come to New York City with his mom and his dad. Uh And him and Elizabeth Bly, shout out to Elizabeth Bly, who um, helps organize the Chappaqua Book Festival. We're all going to get together and we're going to um, hang out and get to meet you. I get to meet you, Trent. The book award that you were talking about with What Lane, um, you know, it's funny. When my first book came out, my mom did what a lot of parents do. A lot of guardians exaggerate or just praise their kids so much that they think everybody should know about their children. So my mom said with my first book, Oprah needs to know about you. And there was no Oprah, right? I couldn't pick up the phone and be like, Oprah, call me maybe. (laughs) And then the second book, no Oprah. Um, The third book, What Lane? Oprah picked it as one of her top 14 books of the year to teach people about what real friendship is and what real allyship between different groups of different backgrounds is. And um, that felt like an award in itself. But oh, then yeah. just recently, I got an award for uh, for mixed race literature for that book because the boy is half black and he's half white. And he's trying to figure out, like, why does it feel like the world is structured into lanes where, where black people have these opportunities and then white people have these opportunities and other people have these opportunities and why can't we all be in the same lane? Mm-hmm. So that that book, um, it really matters to me because I visited a school in St. Louis and in St. Louis, there was a, a bookseller who provided all these copies of my different books to young people. And I thought I did well in connecting with the young people. I didn't expect her to make this TikTok video after she made this TikTok video and in it she talked about how I had connected so well with the young people that the young people not only saw themselves in me, but it was that I was the the, the trampoline or the touchstone for them to read the book. And then they saw themselves in the characters. And yeah. then they were questioning, why, why do we have lanes? Why can't we be all in the same lane? And, and they started to break boundaries down. Mm-hmm. So um, I just got an award for that book for that purpose of how the book is helping to um, transform young people, to do transformative work, to bring people together. So I'm really proud about that. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And, and yeah. well-deserved, well-earned. And uh, you mentioned authors as trampolines, which yeah. I've never thought about. And I love that. I love that metaphor. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, there were times where I felt so down as a young person and my mom would encourage me to write, and um, she wasn't she wasn't realizing its effect on me. That you know, oftentimes if you have like a slingshot or or, or um, a trampoline, the deeper you go, the further down you go, the higher your bounce, or that yeah. more powerful your blast off would be. So, so what my books do is they show young people in some really 
you know, down moments. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. as the springboard or the trampoline for young people to move to greater heights of empathy, of connection, of um, evolution. So, yeah, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited about um, what's next. Did you ask me a question about what's next? Oh, yes. I always, I always like to do that if uh, yeah. if things can be shared. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so something that's happening right now, and I was really shocked by it because I was vacationing in uh, Carmel, California, and I'm walking by a library. I decided to go in, and the librarian greets me at the door and puts her hands on her hips and says, I know, I know you. And I put my hands back on my hips, and I said, do you? And she said, <laughs> yes, and she led me to my books. And it blew me away that, you know, Carmel, California, that I only associate as a vacation spot for my family, became this place that they have my books. But mm-hmm. one of the things that she mentioned was boundless. She said, um, you're in boundless, and it's in our high school branch. And so Brown, Boundless just came out this June, and it's this groundbreaking anthology. It's edited by um, two amazing Latinas named Isme Williams and Rebecca Balacarel. And it's about um, celebrating multiracial identity or uh-huh. multicultural identities. So it's perfect for anybody who likes the book Black Enough. It's perfect for anybody who likes the book Come On In. This upcoming January, 2024, I'm in another anthology curated by um, a New York Times bestselling author, uh, Tiffany Jewell. Mm-hmm. And she has, a, she has a book called This Book is Anti-Racist. And she's gathered a bunch of award-winning bestselling authors, including myself, to um, examine inequities that Black and Brown students face from preschool all the way through college. And so it's been receiving all these amazing advanced reviews. That's coming out mm-hmm. in January. Then in February, um, I'm in another anthology by another Latina named Sandra Proudman, and it's called Relit. And I love that book because it, yes, a lot of my award-winning, best-selling YA fan um, friends are in that book. But the reason I love it is because there are a lot of times that teachers try to teach the classics. Yes, um, uh-huh. they can't teach the classics because kids have such disconnects. They don't see it as relatable. They don't see it as right now. But what Relit does is it takes classics and it remixes it through fantasy and science fiction and magic. Mm, and wow. so I have a story in there, um, uh, yeah, which is a retelling of Theseus and the Minotaur. So it's all about love and battling the odds and grief and just empowering young people to see that they're heroes. Yeah. And then I, and then with Nancy Paulson, my editor, who I love, uh-huh. um, we have picture books on the horizon. So my first picture book is coming out in 2025. They're talking about maybe moving into 2024. We'll see. So I have a picture book coming out in 2024, 2025. And then every year after that, I have a new picture book of mine publishing. Mm-hmm. And while I'm doing that, I'm writing middle school books that hopefully you know, you continue to love and that young Absolutely. people continue to love. I, I'm a big fan of picture books as well. So that's, that's exciting news. And I have black enough in my classroom already. So I'm going to check out boundless. And I just requested an advanced copy of relit 
like the like the other day on NetGalley. So uh, even more excited to read that now. Even more excited. <laughs> You're one of the podcasters that I was telling somebody about recently because. There are times where podcasters say, I'm familiar with your work. And then there's radio silence when you ask <laughs> them, okay, what what book of mine are you familiar with? And and you're one of the podcasters I was talking about because you said, I already know about Boundless. And uh, I've already requested really. Yeah, so, you know. I try. I try. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an avid reader and uh, big, big, uh, what would you say, literacy advocate literacy fan whatever whatever you'd say so uh yeah yeah glad to share about your work uh and, and you. really enjoy it yeah uh yeah. any as we're closing any web spaces that you want to mention for listeners to connect yeah uh, readers can connect with me um through my website it's torimaldonado.com and on the website there's that feature where it says contact the author and i've been at festivals i've been at nct E-A-L-A, T-L-A. I've been places and people say, who does this go to? If I click email the author, does it go to somebody in Penguin Random House? And I'm like, no, actually it goes to the author. It goes to me. Nice, so you nice. can contact me through ToriMaldonado.com. I'm on Twitter, um, same, at ToriMaldonado.com. I'm on Instagram, at ToriMaldonado.com. Oh, ToriMaldonado. So at ToriMaldonado for Instagram and for Twitter. Love it. Well, well, thank you so much for a wonderful talk. We we can do a part two anytime about middle grades or anthologies or picture books or whatever world you're creating in. And uh, truly a delight to talk with you and to share about your work. Same. I feel like I, I've met an uh, educated brother from another mother. We, we try. We try. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you mentioned moms being fans. My mom is, I think, the biggest fan of the show. So and thanks for saying nice words about it to people as well. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. You deserve it. You know, um, there are times where people get awards or they get recognition and all of us look and say, well, how did that person get that? But there are moments that it's loud and clear that the person earned the spotlight. And so you are in the spotlight and it's right. Well, well I feel the same about you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, until we talk again. Thank you for having me. <laughs>